most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by PrizePix. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Jamie Eisenberg, who is an NFL and fantasy football analyst at CBS Sports, who you can find all over CBS Sports HQ on Fantasy Football Today and on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Jamie. How was your week 14? Oh, week 14 was great, Samantha. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, I know we've done a couple things before, but I've never been like one on one. So I hope that this is a fun little thing. Um, yeah, week 14 was fun. I feel like it was some good things and some bad things. I went nine and four against the spread. And then I lost a couple of heartbreaking ones. Um, someone didn't set their lineup against me and I still lost oh, no. <laughs> uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, that was just that was very heartbreaking. So, uh, yeah, such as fantasy football. But uh, let's just hop right in. Um, question one is what year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league uh let's see i think it was 19 this is the date myself a little bit 1999 um it was the year it was randy moss's rookie year. was that 99 or 97 i don't remember uh so it was randy moss's rookie season. No reason to remember that it was because my first pick was i think it was 99 and my first pick was um chris carter and so uh was fortunate enough to pick up randall cunningham that season also. So like the Vikings, I think I had uh, one loss going into the playoffs and lost. Uh, it wasn't because of Gary Anderson missing a kick, but it was because my team didn't show up. But it was uh, Mike Allstott was one of my running backs. So uh, the, the traditional fullback. So the, again, dating myself very much here. But uh, yeah, Chris Carter uh, caught a lot of touchdowns that season. Nice. Uh, Randy Moss's rookie year was 1998. So you were very very close. Um, Yeah, it's funny that you said that you like went in with one loss because that was my first fantasy experience was that I I mean, I was so pumped. I didn't know anything about football, but I was like, I went in 12 and one coming really hot. And then I lost the first round. So on because like this league that I play in has like negative six points for any missed kick could be like a 60 yard attempt. And yeah, and that was how I lost. So crushing defeat set me up for a lot of heartbreak in football. But yeah, uh, we love it and we hate it. Uh, What are the best parts and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Uh, The best parts? Let's see. Um, I'm going to say the best parts now are so I have three, uh, three boys and they are nine, seven and three. So the three year old is a little too young, but I do a father and son league with each of my two older kids. And so the best part about it is talking about their teams with them. And, and the draft is the drafts are great because the dads get together, the, the kids get together. And it's um, it's a lot of fun to see them, you know, sort of take hold of it. And so for the nine year old, for example, he um, he is uh, the way that we set up the league is the kids have to do a, a round themselves each year. So we are now in year five of the nine year old or uh, season five of the nine year old. And um, by like year two, some of the kids were doing it by themselves because they were so into it. and so. It's been fun watching, you know, his friends, their friends, um, you know, sort of uh, enjoy that. I know that's probably not the exact answer you're looking for, but that's the best part for me now. 
Um, the worst part about it is, um, aside from kickers, uh, the worst part, I guess, would be, you know, those the, like what we saw in week 14, you know, when you have a situation like Lamar Jackson, where you're counting on him to to perform well, like, you, you know, you, you can sort of understand the frustrations of a Travis Kelsey because bad games have happened. But whenever you lose a star player early in a game, that just it, it's, it's such a killer, especially this time of season when, you know, you need those wins to get into the playoffs or maybe solidify your playoff spot. Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, I was just going to say that is a very wholesome and adorable story. I love that. I, I feel like people must think you're like, it's like not fair though, because you're Jamie Eisenberg, but. Um. Uh, so the, uh, so my older one, the first year uh, we, did we win? the first? No, we, we lost the first year. We won the second year. And then for my seven-year-old who was six at the time, we won the first year and that was a 14 team league. And so they were like, you're cheating. Uh, it's not fair. I was like, I, I mean, it, he's six. I have to help him. <laughs> That's actually, that's, that's super funny. I can only hope that my future children someday love fantasy football as much as I do. And yeah, there's always bad things, especially with like injuries. I feel like that's the biggest thing for me actually playing. And then like being in the fantasy community, it's like the best and the worst. I love the cool people that I've met and like the experiences that I've gotten like just from fantasy because it's the the thing that like really binds us. But then it's also can be the worst community so at at times. So, uh, yeah. Um, All right. Jumping into the actual football stuff, we are going to kick it off with a quick segment called the burn book, which is, of course, a mean girls reference. As fantasy managers, it is so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So we are going to run through five players and I want you to briefly talk us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they're in your burn book. So the first player is Dak Prescott. I know we're not completely burning Dak, but are we worried about him rest of season? He has under 13 fantasy points in three of the last four games and his schedule is the Giants, which is not necessarily a buy, then Washington again, and then Arizona. So how do you feel about him rest of season? Uh, I think I'm, you know, I have him in uh, one league for sure. Um, I think you know, I, I'm not at the point yet where I'm going to Taysom Hill or Tua or Justin Fields or, or you know, the streaming options uh, yet. Uh, if I have, you know, the, the, the right backup, you know, let's say I drafted a Kirk Cousins with Dak Prescott, who, who obviously has had some ups and downs as, as well, uh, you might consider it. But I, I think you look at, you know, what Dak has at his disposal and, and you reference the last few games. The Washington game was probably the most frustrating one because, you know, we thought, OK, rest after playing three games in 12 days coming out of that, you know, they should have been hundred uh, percent ready to go. His receiving core finally intact after, you know, not having a Mark Cooper for basically two and a half games and CD lamb for one and a half of those games. Um, so you thought, okay, this is going to be the great opportunity and, and, and Washington secondary certainly been forgiving for a lot of quarterbacks, but um, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with him. You know, I, I think it's kind of, you just have to treat him like you've treated probably Patrick Mahomes the last few you know month uh, Lamar Jackson prior to the injury. You know, you just have to sort of understand that there's going to have some some bad moments and you hope that they figure it out. And, and that's the case. I'm just going to hope that Dak figures it out against a Giants team that might be down their best defensive player if Leonard Williams doesn't play as expected. Yeah, I'm definitely in that same camp. I do. I caught flack on Twitter yesterday because someone just sent one of those like starts like start Dak or Taysom Hill. And I said Dak. And of course, nice. that caught me flack. And that person was like, I would like a word. Like, all right, like trust the process here, guys. Like, I, I, I'm not too, too worried. He has too, too much talent around him and he's so talented himself. So he just gives you way more upside than a guy like Tua, unfortunately. Yep. So, all right. The next guy we're going to talk about is James Robinson. He has been a frequent fixture on the injury report this year, laid a goose egg in week 14 versus the Titans, fumbled and never saw the ball again, which definitely worries me in terms of Urban Meyer's trust. Like, Carlos Hyde fumbles too, but like, 
he also gets the ball back. So I don't know if that's like some kind of bias that he has with Carlos Hyde. So I guess my question is, are we burning Robinson out of the like RB2 locked in tier? Uh, The Jags face the Texans, Jets and Patriots next. I mean, just think about those teams you just listed. You know, if you were to say uh, superstar potential running back, which I think James Robinson still is, right? I mean, we got to, you know, sort of still consider him in that, in that tier, um, at least based on reputation from what he's done. And then you say Texans, well, they just couldn't stop Rashad Penny. The Jets, we know they can't stop anybody. Uh, you know, so at least just for those two games alone, you would say it's got to be a great situation for him, right? Um, I, I think at least I, I know for me, I was hoping that Urban Meyer would have been fired uh, already uh, just to, alleviate the, the the problems for James Robinson, which seems to be because his coach is an idiot, uh, for lack of a better term. I, I'm, I'm probably still going to start him, you know, and, and, and I hate to, to, to think that he's going to disappoint me, but you, you just saw it this past weekend, but the Texans matchup is too good. And, you know, I, I would hope that Trevor Lawrence and Daryl Bevel and, you know, the you know, Schottenheimer and the coaching staff there and whatever uh, semblance of, you know, a common sense that Urban Meyer still has left is this is the game you got to win you know, the, of your remaining game. Yeah, I guess the Jets as well, but you know, this is the game in front of you that you have to win. And if you, if you lose this game, I, I can't imagine Shad Khan and, and the ownership group there is going to be happy with you. So uh, if they're already, you know, not uh, unhappy with you. So I would think that James Robinson gets all the work that he can handle. So I, I guess I'll still start him and, and maybe reluctantly. So imagine, you know, you start out, Hey, I got Dak Prescott and James Robinson. Your team must be great, right? Well, maybe not so much. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely tough. I have a lot of exposure to James Robinson right now, and I'm just hoping that, like you said, like the talent and common sense kind of come through here. But Urban Meyer has driven me absolutely mad all season. And I thought for sure after this week, just from all the news that he would be fired or like even now, I mean, there's time you can fire him before this game. So um, hopefully he bounces back there, but yeah, I mean, he's like destroyed so many fantasy assets right now for me that I just like, I'm so mad at urban Meyer. So I'm totally in your boat in terms of fire him. Uh, All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is DK Metcalf. So he was wide receiver eight and half PPR on a per game basis to the first eight weeks of the season. Since the Seahawks week nine by he's wide receiver 79 on a per game basis and hasn't crested the double digit fantasy mark once in that five game span. Are we burning him out of the must start tier this week against the Rams? I guess we're, you know, I, I hate to, you know, hedge a little bit, but you know, is Jalen Ramsey playing? Yeah. You know, so we got the, the news before the Monday night game that, you know, Ramsey's on the COVID list. And if he doesn't clear the COVID list, that's clearly a big piece of that defense that's missing. Uh, ironically enough, you know, you look at DK Metcalf's history, he does really well against the Rams. And so I feel like just the fact that his targets have been up the last two weeks, um, the fact that Russell Wilson looks like Russell Wilson again, um, and probably based on, you know, I, I know Seattle's defense looked much better against Houston, but that's Houston, uh, that this game has an opportunity to get up and down and, and become a little bit of a high scoring affair. You hope that DK Metcalf can come through. So um, think about where you were at. You know, I, I, I'll ask you this, you know, where are you at with, uh, with Jamar chase prior to last week, you know, same sort of level of frustration, right. You know, great player, not producing, you can't bench him, right. Uh, right. you know, you can't, you can't rank him outside the, the starting group. Um, so I, I think you just kind of stick with DK Metcalf. And if he's on your team, you know, again, similar to James Robinson, similar to Dak Prescott, like if you have better options, you know, Hunter Renfro is easy to play over DK Metcalf at this point because he's been amazing. And you know, you stand those two guys next to each other. You're not going to say I'm starting that guy over that guy but you probably have to based on the production and, and the consistency. So there are obviously certain circumstances where you're benching DK Metcalf, but for the most part, I think you just got to take your lumps and hope that this is the week that he delivers. 
Yeah, you definitely have to, uh, I guess, start your studs in this situation. Uh, you would feel so foolish if you benched DK Metcalf in the first round of the playoffs. And of course, he pops off. To your point, yeah, like Russell Wilson has been looking more like Russell Wilson recently. So I'm hoping that because he's on the upswing. And uh, yeah, if I feel like DK Metcalf could eat Hunter Renfro. I don't actually know what Hunter Renfro looks like, but I'm assuming he's a lot smaller. All right, on to the next guy. It's Darnell Mooney. So for a hot second, I thought it was going to be Mooney season, but he has seriously cooled off over the last two weeks. Five fantasy points last week and two fantasy points this week in half PPR and was outscored by Jakeem Grant, which whatever. Um, Are we burning Mooney and writing off this kind of uh, tumultuous rookie season at this point? Uh, No, not for this week. Um, you know, what I would do if I were the Bears, uh, if I were Justin Fields and I were Darnell Mooney, I would say, where's Brashad Breeland? And I'm going to find him and I'm going to line up against him and I'm going to do what every receiver for the most part has done this season. And, you know, just go back to last week and look at Chase Claypool and look at Deontay Johnson whenever they got a chance to go against Breeland. He's just been kind of a free space for, for opposing wide receivers. And so I think, um, you know, Andy Dalton, I know this sounds Strange to say, it's going to sound strange for me to even think it, but uh, Andy Dalton was better for Darnell Mooney than Justin Fields because he's, an, he's a veteran quarterback and he's going to, you know, not escape the pocket. He's going to look to try and make some plays down the field. And, and look, we saw Mooney starting to progress with Fields before the rib injury. So it's not about Justin Fields being a bad thrower or anything like that. It's just the mobility factor. You know, when he sees something that he doesn't like, he's going to run. Andy Dalton's either going to tuck it and, and take a sack or he's going to probably, you know, try and force the ball into his wide receiver's direction. So. Um, I think, you know, Justin Fields threw the ball well enough against the Packers, aside from a couple of, you know, mistakes that you can trust him in what has been such a fun matchup. You know, everybody that plays the Vikings ends up putting up good numbers. So I think for one more week, I think you trust it, but he's definitely fallen into that, you know, category of uh, Michael Pittman. There's another guy that's kind of been like, oh, Mike Williams, you know, guys that have gotten off to a good start and then, you know, have had a little bit of a speed bump. I think Darnell Mooney can can fight his way through it this week. And I would still probably trust him as at least a, a third receiver in a three receiver league, but you know, even a borderline two receiver league type of guy. He is someone that I'm going to be forced to start this week. So I hope you're right about the matchup there. All right. The final guy we're going to talk about in the burn bug is Noah Fant. He has been somewhat of a victim of circumstances this season. Obviously, low volume passing offense that's not really doesn't inspire a lot of fear. And then since the return of Jerry Judy in week eight, Fant is tight end 38 and half PPR on a per game basis. Does Fant basically like belong back on managers waivers waiver wires or are you still rolling him out there? So I'll, I'll ask you, you have you have two choices here. You could pick your uh, your favorite nickname for him, which we have at, at CBS. Uh, it's either Noah Kant or Noah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I, I tend to go with Noah. Thank you. Whenever I get asked the question, will you start him? No, thank you. I will not. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, it's also, you know, Albert O has become a problem for him as well. You know, there's just a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. Uh, that's a run first offense. Uh, understandably so Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon have been fantastic and have kind of turned the tide for this team. Um, un, you know, why would you put the ball in Teddy Bridgewater's hands to have to make plays if you don't have to, I mean, he's certainly a capable quarterback, but uh, the hope would be is by 2022, um, you know, if they're able to get their hands on an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or, or, you know, somebody who's an upgrade, that's why they signed these wide receivers with Sutton getting the contract and Patrick getting the contract that you get those two veteran guys locked up with Pat, with uh, Jerry Judy and, and Noah Fant. There'll be Noah Fant by then. Um, then you have those great weapons with a great quarterback and everything is unleashed. And this could be one of the best teams in, in, in scoring in the NFL. But for now, I think it's just, uh, you know, stay away from from basically all the receiving options, you know, even what could be a shootout against the Bengals. 
Yeah, I go on uh, KOA 50, which is Colorado, uh, Denver radio, whatnot. And every week I, I do like a DFS thing, but every week they ask me like, which non-running back from the Broncos right. do you feel good about starting? And I'm always, it's just been none over the past few weeks, obviously. Yep. Uh, it's its really disappointing because you you see the, the talent, the upside. Fant is a ridiculous athletic specimen and same with Jerry Judy and same with Corlin Sutton. I mean, we like, we kind of forgot about him because he's had a couple of down seasons and like the, the injury and everything like that. So it is kind of criminal and like disappointing to watch that. But of course, on the other side, like, We've gotten Javante breakout season, so I can't complain right. to you too much. Um, yep. All right, that'll do it for the burn bug. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is our elite entry segment, where I dive into the prize picks app to build some entries. I'll identify some markets I like, you build your own prize picks entries, and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today I'm going to look at four week 15 quarterback plays on prize picks. The first play I like is Mac Jones over 210 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Colts. A Jones over in this economy, yes, I am actually going to break my streak of unders here with the Mac Jones over against the Colts, even with Jones coming off of a week 13 bagel. Obviously, weather and matchup were factors against the Bills as Jones only attempted three passes all night. The Colts' run defense is solid, though, and I think it's going to force Jones to throw a decent amount in this game. So I am going over on 210 passing yards. The next play I like is Tua Tungo-Vailoa over 240 and a half passing yards at home versus the Jets. Tungo-Vailoa is one of my favorite waiver ads this week. Since week six, he is QB 10 on a per game basis, averaging more fantasy points per game than Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. He's also coming off of a bye week to face the Jets, who have allowed the 10th most fantasy points to the quarterback position and 254 passing yards per game, which ranks sixth worth worst in the NFL. They may not have any running backs healthy in this game either with some COVID-19 issues. So I think Tua also gets a bump with the return of Devontae Parker and smashes this over. Another play I like is Justin Fields over 180 and a half passing yards at home versus the Vikings. Fields is coming off of his second best fantasy performance to date against the Packers. He completed 18 of 33 attempts for 224 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and tacked on 74 rushing yards. He's broken 200 yards in each of his past two complete games he's played, was injured in week 11, and missed weeks 12 and 13. He faces the Vikings, who have allowed an average of 252 passing yards per game, which is eighth worst in the NFL. In another NFC North showdown, I think he should have no issues surpassing 180 passing yards. The final play I like is Justin Herbert under 285 and a half passing yards at home versus the Chiefs. Herbert has been fantastic this year and is currently QB3 through 14 weeks. He is averaging over 295 passing yards per game and is coming off of a strong week 14 in which he completed 23 of 31 attempts for 275 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. I think this would have been more of a cupcake matchup a few weeks ago when the Chiefs defense was still kind of playing like garbage, but the team has definitely turned a corner of late. Herbert also fell shy of this number in the, the two teams' first meeting in week three, in which he passed for 281 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So I think he kind of stays under this colossal total. All right, so that is our elite entry today, going with Matt Jones, over 210 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Colts, Tua Tungo Vailoa, over 248 and a half passing yards at home versus the Jets, Justin Fields, over 180 and a half passing yards at home versus the Vikings, 
and Justin Herbert under 285 and a half passing yards at home versus the Chiefs. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you have not created a prize picks account yet, please check the link in our episode description because prize picks has a special offer for fantasy flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizefix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let us just keep it moving here on 21 Questions with Jamie Eisenberg. Our next segment is called Full Sender That's Cap. I need to ask, do you ski or snowboard or do any kind of like winter sport like that? No, I, I'm I'm a Florida kid. So uh, the, actually, the first time I went skiing was in Colorado. Uh, so my best friend growing up moved out there. Um, and uh, when, when I was in high school, I went to go visit him and it was in the summertime. I went to, I went to, went to visit him once in the wintertime, but it was uh, he had just moved out there with his, his parents. So skiing was not an option for, for either of us when we were in, in our, in our you know, teens. Uh, but the next summer I went out to visit him. And, uh, we went to the top of some mountain where there was still some snow and he had already started skiing a little bit. And I was just kind of just putting my way down, uh, uh, whatever was there. And then we had to walk down because the ski lift wasn't working. So it it wasn't the greatest experience, but I would love to try it again. Fair enough. Uh, well, obviously I love skiing and full send or go sending it usually it's like an extreme sports term where you're like going head first. You, you okay. love it. Like I'm sending it. I, I, it's kind of like, do you believe in it or not? And then cap is obviously that's crap. Like that's like, if someone told me like, I've never lost a fantasy matchup, like that's cap, whatever. So um, basically uh, I'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise. And I want to know, are you sending it on that player or is it cap? So okay. the first player is Justin Fields. He posted his second best fantasy performance to date in Sunday night's NFC North thriller, completed 18 of 33 attempts for 224 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and tacked on 74 rushing yards. Are we going full send on Fields as a viable streamer in week 15 against the Vikings' poorest secondary or is trusting this Bears offense cap? Yeah, I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Full send. You know, I, I think it's uh it, it's a good opportunity for him. Um, you know, I I think we 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 started to see the you know the slow build to where he was you know hopefully becoming and and, and may have become uh, before the rib injury. You know, and it was nice to see him sort of pick up where he left off. There's going to be mistakes. You know, uh, I, I think anybody who watched the game against the Packers, you saw he completely telegraphed the interception. That was a pick six. Um, so he'll hopefully learn from that, but. This matchup is just too good. You know, I mean, the, the, the secondary, the defense for Minnesota has been so, you know, beaten up by injuries and, and forgiving to opposing passers. And then you tack on what he can do as a rusher. So I'll buy it. It may burn me, but I, I, I will definitely buy uh, him as a streamer for this week. He was a guy that I was super high on. They had us do these like debate things for the third overall pick in the draft. And I was always the one that had Justin Fields. It was like uh, defending him. And at the beginning of the season, I was, I I just wanted to fire Matt Nagy, like in from a cannon into the sun, just because how they were using him, he wasn't rushing anything like that. So I really do like what I've seen of late. So hopefully that is indicative of some more trends. I am definitely picking him up on waiver wires if he is available. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Donta Foreman. This backfield has obviously been confusing to put it lightly since the loss of Derrick Henry. Foreman did lead the depth chart over Dontrell Hilliard and Jerry McNichols in this game. Are we going full send on Foreman as a potential RB2 play or is trusting any of the Titans running backs cap? You know, it's uh, it's such an interesting situation because like you said, it's crowded. And um, 
you know, if you look at the snap counts, you kind of have to sort of break it down by, you know, when they were competitive in the game in the beginning of the game versus toward the end of the game. So Foreman did the majority of the work early in the game. And then when they had the lead, he got a little bit dinged up in the game. So I don't know how much that factored into what he was going to do later in the game. But if you watch that Viking Steelers game, I mean, you know, you and I could have probably run for 50 or 60 yards with the holes that Dalvin Cook was running through. Uh, the Steelers run defense is a mess right now. And so I think just based on opportunity and, you know, the Titans, I think still trying to define what their identity is. And clearly their identity for the last two plus seasons has been Derrick Henry in a power running game. And Deontay Foreman gives them the best bet for that. So uh, I don't think it's a full send, but it's closer to being a send than a cap. So I'm going to probably lean that way just based on the matchup and the opportunity that he's going to get. Fair enough. Yeah, I've just been hoping that one of them emerges as the guy. He's actually someone that I benched in a lot of leagues just to see kind of how things shook out. I mean, it's not necessarily as frustrating or confusing as the Eagles backfield, but it's out there. Uh, I just came off of a waivers podcast where like it was like rank the Eagles (laughs) um, in terms of priority. And I was like, I can't like I don't really know. It's probably Boston's up, but maybe it's not. So, uh, yeah, super frustrating. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Saquon Barkley. He's actually looked a lot better uh, since returning from injury in week 11, 16 rushing attempts for 64 yards and a touchdown and three catches for 31 yards. That said, the Chargers run defense does make a lot of running backs look good. Um, the Giants take on Dallas against whom he was injured in week five. Are we going full send on Barkley as an RB one in that matchup or does the injury in kind of offense make that cap? So if you're going to make me say RB1, then it's, it's cap. If you're going to say starting, then yes, I'll still go full send. I'm, I'm obviously not benching Saquon Barkley. I, I think you have to be really risky to, let's say, trust whoever's going to start for the Dolphins uh, against the Jets because we know they got their COVID situation. You said at the Eagles, you know, are you trusting Boston Scott over Saquon Barkley? Yet? Are you trusting Deontay Foreman over Saquon Barkley? Yet? I'm sure the answer to most of those is no, but... You know, if we have uh, week 15 and still the Sony Michelle show for the Rams, uh, I'm starting Michelle over Saquon Barkley. If, you know, Chase Edmonds, who's not playing Monday night, is still out. James Conner is an easy start over Saquon Barkley. You know, so there are, there are plenty of, you know, other circumstances that I'm sure we can look at and say, you know, Saquon Barkley does not have to be considered a must-start option, but you have to be encouraged by the workload. Uh, I'd like to see who the quarterback is, you know, because I think that'll matter. I'd like to see who the receiving core is, you know, because we got Shepard back and Galladay back. If Tony's back, then... Maybe we finally see what this Giants offense was supposed to look like. And I think that'll help Saquon Barkley. So uh, I'll hedge again. So if it's a starting running back, then it's, you know, full send. If it's a RB1 top 12 guy, then it's a, then it's a cap situation. Fair enough. I had to throw him in there because in the mock draft that I did with you guys, I got roasted for taking Saquon Barkley so early. So uh, that was an early L for me in that mock, but um it's good to see him kind of looking a little bit like himself again. And this, yep. this Giants offense does have potential. It's just been so, so banged up. So to your point, if we can see, you know, all three receivers healthy, I would like to definitely see what Barkley looks like in that offense. All right. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is KJ Osborne. Uh, I picked him up in so many leagues and started him in so many leagues. Uh, he's found the end zone in two straight games, tied a season high nine targets in this past game with Adam Thielen sidelined. If Thielen misses the Vikings week 15 matchup, which I kind of assume is going to happen, um, given the high ankle sprain, it's against the Bears. Are we going full send on Osborne once again as a plug and play streamer? Full send. Absolutely. You know, this is a guy that's got so much potential. Um, I'll go back to uh, uh, the preseason. So, you know, we're lucky enough at CBS. We have a, a lot of NFL reporters and guys that go out to, you know, different training camp tours and whatnot. And so, 
Um, anybody that listens to our show, you, you, you know that uh, Pete Prisco, uh, who's a longtime NFL writer, um, he does a lot of great stuff for us on, on fantasy football today. And it's like a running joke because I mentioned Pete all the time, but I trust Pete as much as anybody. Um, and he was uh, with the Vikings. He knows Keenan McCardle, who's the wide receivers coach there for years because he covered him in Jacksonville. And, you know, Keenan was telling him, you got to watch this kid. You got to watch this kid. He's not going to get a lot of opportunities because of the top two guys, obviously. But if he ever gets a chance, he's going to be a star. He's got star potential. You're just raving about KJ Osborne. And so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the target numbers against the, the, the Steelers were nice. Um, it was the one big play really that saved him, but he's got the potential that as long as they keep featuring him and you said it best, if Adam Thielen is still out, they're going to keep featuring him. And so I, I have no hesitation to uh, buy in and buy in fully to KJ Osborne. And this is a guy I think that could be uh, a difference maker for a lot of fantasy managers as long as Adam Thielen stays out. Yeah, when the Thielen news kind of came out, I was not sure if it was going to be more of like a, a Tyler Conklin type situation or KJ Osborne. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I picked up, of course, after the first week and then dropped him and yep. picked him up again. And uh, it's, it is nice to see him have success now, um, even if it had to take an injury. Uh, all right. The final guy we're going to talk about, I already know kind of where you're going with this one, but uh, Hunter Renfro. He's in the sexiest name, but he has strung together three consecutive 100-yard games, finishes a top 14 receiver in five of the last six games. This past game, part of that may have been game script as the Raiders trailed by a significant margin in that game uh, for pretty much all of it. Uh, Are we going full send on him as like, let's say like a high-end wide receiver two in week 15 against the Browns? I got to tell you, first of all, as somebody with a dad bod, uh, to see him excelling, he's very sexy. So he's, he's, he's a very sexy man, sexy name. Uh, I just meant like a buzzy name, not I like, know, the, you know, like the names that people want to talk about. I'm, I'm totally kidding. You know, he's, he's been great, you know, and I think it, uh, the thing we got to keep an eye on is Darren Waller, you know, so the, the numbers have clearly spiked, you know, since the rug situation, you know, so you, you can feel comfortable enough about starting him, obviously, but uh, the numbers spiked even more without Darren Waller on the field for the last couple of weeks. So, um, if Waller's back, you might have some hesitation, but Derek Carr is so dialed into Hunter Renfro right now. And, and it makes sense. You know, he's been such a good red zone threat. He's making plays down the field, you know, so his depth target is, is certainly increased over the last couple of weeks because they needed him to. Uh, he's, a, you know, you know, you think about the, the great slot receivers over the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years, however far you want to go back. Um, you can put him with the, the, the recent stretch of games, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, you know, he's, he's doing those type of things. Uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, those type of things, you know, so it's been just fun to watch. And, um, you know, we, we always get uh, a few of these guys every season that, you know, you, you kind of discount at the start of the season. Oh, he'll have 50 catches. He'll have 70 catches, but he's not going to do anything with it. Well, you've seen, he's done a lot with it. Uh, and, and it's only gotten better as the year has gone on. So he's going to be another guy that helps a lot of people win fantasy championships this season. So absolutely full send until, until proven otherwise. And it, it might not happen because, you know, you, you may have one down week. Okay. You still got to go back to him. If he has two or three down weeks, your, your season's over, but you got to just take you know, your lumps with what he's done and, and, and buy into it for sure. No, I'm super excited about him. Unfortunately, I did have a couple shares of Foster Moreau in the last week. So that kind of, his Same performance there. may have come out at the expense of um, Moreau's dud for the second week in a row. But yeah, it's been really exciting to watch him. Uh, I think like initially we were kind of, 
thinking maybe it was going to be split with like Brian Edwards, but Renfro has clearly distinguished himself as the wide receiver one in this offense. So that has been really fun to watch. All right, Jamie, we have nine more rapid fire questions and I will get you out of here. Question 13 is name one player you just can't quit or you always find yourself making excuses for. So prior to this year, that was Joe Mixon for me, but I don't have to make excuses for Joe Mixon anymore. Well, let's see. Um, it feels like uh, I've, I've been defending Antonio Gibson a lot this year, you know, so um, this is going to be an interesting week, you know, coming off a rough game, you know, you have uh, some, some concerns of the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's, if he's the, the, the type of tenure you're looking for in terms of longevity, but uh, it, it was defending him coming into the season, defending him at the start of the season and now continuing to defend him again, you know, after, uh, after one bad game, I'm sure I'll get a lot of questions this week. So I, I guess Antonio Gibson qualifies. He is a guy that I'm totally in the same boat. I wrote a, like a whole article about how I loved him this preseason yeah. and I, like all signs to me just like pointed to it. And like, um, obviously we, we, we take our L's and stuff, but um, yep. it, this one kind of hurt more just because I just loved his whole story last year too. So um, he, I mean, he was a league winner for, I, I feel like at least in lo- one of my leagues for me. So disappointing for sure. All right. Um, are you ready to crown Jonathan Taylor the undisputed 101 of drafts next year? And if not, who else is in this conversation? Yeah, just just stay healthy, man. <laughs> just stay healthy. That that guy, if he's if he comes out of the season uh, the way he's been going and 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 you know steamrolling opponents, and this is a fun week coming up against the Patriots because you know they're going to try and do everything they can to stop him. Uh, but yeah, he's he's easily established himself as as that guy, and it's been. Uh, it's been nice to see the, the, the growth from the end of last year to the, you know, carrying over to all season so far in 2021. Yeah, that, to your point, he just had such a hot end to the season and uh, he went a little higher in fantasy drafts than I was willing to really reach for, which obviously now it wasn't a reach. But um, yeah, I mean, he was just super, super popular and for good reason. So yeah. I do feel like he will go one on one. Crazier stories is, you know, how many people got him later than he should have gone because right. of the Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson injuries and uh, him falling into in some cases into round two. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's a big boost to a lot of fantasy managers right now, I'm sure. For sure. All right. There may not be another Cordero Patterson, but maybe predict one player that you think could have an unexpected breakout next year. Oh, unexpected breakout next year. Um, let's see. Rondell Moore, you know, kind of feels like that type of player, you know, if you want to make any sort of comparisons uh, for a guy that can do some things in the backfield and, and certainly has a creative play caller and, and a great quarterback around him. Not that Cordero Patterson has those things in particular, but. Uh, I want to see what happens, you know, if AJ Green moves on, uh, I believe Christian Kirk is entering free agency. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but you know, if there's an opportunity to free up some, some targets and, and, and chances to make plays, you know, you've seen it in some spurts, uh, Deandre Hopkins, who knows how much he's going to stay at that elite level. Uh, so Kyler Murray may have to start to, you know, spread the ball around even more. Uh, so I'm excited about Ron Demar. I want to see where the future holds for him. Yeah, he's actually one of those guys that I have been making excuses for, at least I was making excuses for at the beginning of the right. season. He's now not maybe in that conversation anymore. He and like Rashad Bateman, I feel like were guys that I was just like coming out of the draft, like so hyped about. So uh, certainly would like to see that breakout next year. Um, which NFL coach is most infuriating for fantasy? Oh, you said it, Matt Nagy. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, that guy's got to go. Urban Meyer's got to go, you know, so the, the two of them probably right now, uh, obviously the ball check for years, you know, just because of the the screwy nature of how he just prioritizes wins over helping his guys put up points. You know, why would he, why would he ever want to do that? It's so um, rude. Pete Carroll is, is frustrating because he's always optimistic about everything. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky enough being at CBS for as long as I have been 
And I hope we get back to, you know, some sense of normalcy because I usually go to all the owners meetings and uh, they have a coach's breakfast, uh, you know, during the, the, the owners meetings where the media gets to, you know, ask all the, the coaches, uh, you know, whatever you want to essentially, you know, it's a free for all. And because I don't cover a team, I just bounce around from table to table. And so Sean Payton um, burned me a few times. The biggest one was Colby Fleener, if you remember him. So it was after Jimmy Graham left, they had brought in Colby Fleener and looked me in my eye. I, I thought we made a connection. He told me Colby Fleener was going to be great. I told everybody that listens to our shows and reads all my stuff. Colby Fleener is the biggest sleeper, uh, biggest breakout candidate you could find. Yeah, I still hear about Kobe Fleener every now and then. So um, the Sean Payton will always be on this list of, uh, of coaches. He's, he's not going anywhere. He shouldn't go anywhere. He's been great for fantasy. But that always kind of, you know, sticks in my, my side a little bit when I think about that. That is an interesting one. Yeah, I feel like the ones that come to mind are, of course, Bill Belichick and maybe even like... I'm still salty about the Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Chase Edmonds, David Johnson thing from a couple of years ago. Yes. Uh, I totally got trolled on that. And I actually like side note, like tangent. I literally used to set this guy's lineup for him that like a ghost managed his team and he had Chase Edmonds and David Johnson. And I started David Johnson and he literally messages me and said something like, you know, you left some guy on our bench that had like 35 points. And I'm like, first of all, some guy, I love that. Like you don't (laughs) even know who he is. And it just like, of course, in the, the stupid uh like social media team thing like you should have started chase Edmonds. so he goes up there um kyle shanahan also uh honorable honorable mention or just yep. honorable mention for me uh just trusting any 49ers running backs though of course uh elijah mitchell has been a really nice uh pleasant surprise this year Absolutely. um if you could change one setting in every league what would it be one setting. Uh, so I brought this up to our, our tech team, CBS, once upon a time, and I think it still would be relevant, is that you should be allowed to, if a player gets hurt uh, or is a surprise inactive, that you should just have somebody from your bench just be elevated into that spot and you get those points, you know, because this is supposed to be a fun game, you know, and, and so you don't want to go like the, the team QB route or the team running back route or any of those things, you know. So like, for example, you know, it's easy to say, okay, Lamar Jackson gets hurt, you just get Tyler Huntley's points and and that's the easy answer. But I think, you know, if, if somebody goes out early in, the, in a game, so let's say it's a first quarter injury, um, you should be allowed to. Now, there's, there's obviously a lot of gray area in this because somebody could have two touchdowns in the first quarter and then gets hurt and you wouldn't want to replace that player. So it shouldn't just be, you know, a black and white type of thing. But if somebody does get hurt, like a Lamar Jackson, you know, or, you know, pick whatever injury you want to, why ruin somebody's week out of something that you can't control? You set your lineup with the idea that these are my best players and then, something happens to that player, you sh- your, your fantasy team shouldn't be penalized. So I think there should be some designation, whether it's a commissioner designation or just the league designation that injured player, you designate that guy every week. So this running back gets hurt, that running back is the points I get, this wide receiver, et cetera. But it's got to be, you know, it was in a certain amount of time frame. So I think the first quarter is, is probably the best way to do it. That's a really interesting concept. I've actually never heard that, but it's a cool like best ball concept that would eliminate at least some of the frustration for managers. Um, but yeah, maybe it would have to be like limited to like first quarter injuries or something right. like that to make it be fair. Uh, question was a Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? Oh boy. Um, for, for a season, for a season for a playoff, uh, you know, he, he was, he was elite as a player. No, uh, for a career. No, but for a brief moment in time, he was a he was a very elite quarterback and and won some big games for the Ravens. 
You have one of the more optimistic, nicer answers to that one, <laughs> by the way, of, of the like 15 people that I've had on this show. Uh, who should managers top waiver ad be this week? Um, obviously, this is a, such a tricky thing because, you, you know, everybody's got different league sizes. But um, we mentioned one KJ Osborne. So he's still out there. Go get him at the wide receiver spot. Uh, obviously, Rashad Penny uh, at, at the running back spot. If you want to go like really deep, um, I guess Duke Johnson might be the only Dolphins healthy running back at this point because Lindsey, Gaskin, and Savon Ahmed are all on the COVID list. And so Duke Johnson against the Jets, you could do a lot worse than that matchup. So that's probably, you know, the, the deep option you could look at there. Craig Reynolds, clearly, you know, if he's still the guy for Detroit. Um, but if, if it, the, the top two guys for me, you know, and I write the waiver column for CBS. So uh, it's, it's Rashad Penny and KJ Osborne at their respective positions. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like it would be close between KJ Osborne and Devontae Parker for me, especially if we have like no running backs on that team left. Um, but yeah, that, that would be pretty much my top three. How many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? Oh boy. Uh, from how far? Oh no. Well, you got an extra point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking field goal. saying, um, uh, a long time, <laughs> a long time. Um, uh, probably I'll, I'll say, I'll say 15 tries. 15 tries is like not that many. I feel like it would take me, like you could put me out there for 200 tries and I don't think I would make it. So I bet if somebody showed you the right way to do it, same thing with me. If they showed me the right way to do it, we'll probably get it done. We had this, um, I mentioned this on a few podcasts, but we did this thing um, on the street where we were asking, this is when I was living in Denver and the all-star game was there. And I was asking just random dudes on the street, uh, how many batting practice pitches it would take them to hit a ball out of course field. You get the juice ball and everything like that. And the range of answers was amazing. There were some people that were like, oh, infinity, I'm not getting out of the infield. You could give me the corked bat and it's not leaving. <laughs> and, and then there was another guy that was like from Boston. He's like two, one warm up and I'm knocking out of the park. So uh, very interesting to see people's kind of like gauge on their athletic abilities. All right. Yeah, yeah. Finally, if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? Um, don't take it seriously. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's a game. You know, I mean, it, clearly most people, whether they know it or not, they're competitive and, you know, you want to win, but it's, it should be something that you have fun. It's such a great introduction into, into the sport. And that goes for any fantasy sport. You know, it, like it's the thing I try to teach my, my, my kids and, and their friends that play it. It's, it's just such a fun way to watch, you know, the sport from a different perspective because you don't just have to focus on a team you like. You can focus on the entire league. You know, it keeps you interested. It's, it's a good way to learn math, you know, for the little guys, little, little ones out there. Um, but it's, uh, it's, just, it's just a fun introduction into the, into the sport. So just, you know, have fun with it. If you lose, you lose. Uh, and that should keep you coming back for more. I mean, you know, like you, you brought up your experience of going, you know, with one loss. Um, if you won, you might have thought it was too easy, you know. So, you know, you got just close enough and, you, you know, you had the thrill of victory enough that it brought you back for more. And I think that's the thing, you know, it, you want to be coming back for more to try and get that ultimate goal. And, you know, hopefully that's the end result is that you win once, one time, at least one time, but uh, just have fun with it. Super, super important. Uh, it's just like a side little tangent. I, I uh, did not grow up a football fan at all. And I got into football through fantasy completely. So I do have a very, I feel like different not not better or worse, just different perspective because I have almost no fandom. I root for the Panthers, but I really don't have like the ingrained fandom that some people have that I do think kind of just makes your like difference, like your judgments different and everything like that. Um, and I literally 
my boyfriend at the time who was helping me with my fantasy team had me listening to the CBS fantasy podcast every single day. He was like, I'm not sending your lineups. Uh, So you got to listen to these guys and you got to listen to, there were like three. I had to listen to that four for four and the ESPN one every single day. And that is how I learned how to even play fantasy. So you guys were super, super influential in like my entire trajectory and growth in this industry. So it's been really, really cool to even get to interact with you. Um, All right. That will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, I cannot thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you at this NFL season. Well, first off, thank you for the story. That was that was great to hear. And uh, again, make me feel old, but I appreciate that. It was, you know, nice, <laughs> it was nice very recent. I mean, like nice, nice to hear that we we can help, uh, you know, start your career. And, and obviously it's, it's fun to watch, uh, you know, just getting to see um, you know, following you on social media and getting to talk to you and do some stuff with you. It's been, it's been great to see your trajectory. So keep going. You're doing a great job. Um, you can find us, uh, cbsports.com, CBS Sports HQ. It's our 24 hour streaming network. Uh, that's where we find our, our uh, fantasy football today show, which is Monday through Friday at uh, noon Eastern and then Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern, but, um, uh, podcasts. So, you know, we're, we're all over the place, like everybody else in the space, uh, you know, just, just Google CBS and you'll, you'll find us. Awesome. Yeah. If you, uh, ever, look at old emails. I was literally emailing you guys mailbag questions every week. So yeah, it is super, super cool to uh, meet you. Uh, Yeah. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Ravon are here on the Fantasy Plex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info you need to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday with our final mailbag episode of the year. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.